and welcome to Dispel Magic, the podcast where we overthink how the magic of D&D might shape your campaign setting in surprising and unexpected ways. I'm Benjamin, game designer and writer. My name's Dane. I'm a dungeon master, a podcaster, and a voice actor. Benjamin, do you like cartoons? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I like cartoons. I, I grew up watching cartoons, but you know what? Kids love cartoons. Hey, kids love cartoons, don't they, though? They do. But you know what they don't like? Dead people? Dead people. Yeah, they don't like dead people very much. I was always uh, really scared of pretty much anything, like horror, anything horror, mm. or even that part in uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory where they go through the tunnel and you see the bugs on people's faces. You ever God, see that one? Might have blocked that out. Probably. There's no earthly way of knowing which direction we're going. But uh, I, I couldn't oh. handle even the scariest or the, the mildest scares okay. of things. And I didn't even like scary uh, cartoons. And hmm. I love cartoons. I, are you counting Ghostbusters in there? No. Okay, so it no. can have a scary thing as it can long have a as, scary the, thing. It was as, long as it's not. Yeah, yeah right. The okay. real Ghostbusters right, sure. were, were goofy. We're talking about Animate Dead. We are anim- <laughs> We are talking about Animate Dead, though, aren't we? <laughs> We're talking about Animate Dead. I, Ghostbusters was a dead giveaway. I shouldn't have said it. I apologize in advance. And afterwards. <laughs> you really let the ghost out of the bag with no, that one. No. Out of the sack. Uh, this one is a, a fun kind of intro spell to necromancy, right? This is... Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird spot because this is... The it's a third level necromancy spell, but it's also the first time if you're trying to play a necromancer that you actually get to do any actually. necromancy. So like you've got to wait a very long time to actually do the thing you signed up to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, this is it's a fun spell. When you start new campaigns, what level do you usually start people at? Do you start them at level one? It varies. Uh, if I start a per- if I start at level one, I'm generally trying to shoot people through at least to level three. Okay. And then I kind of slow slow down a little bit for four and five, but, I, but I'm but i still not waiting a long time to get mm-hmm. them to five. I would say first through third is one session each level. Yeah, that's getting nice. To, getting to fourth is probably, is maybe two sessions. Getting to fifth is maybe two more sessions. Yeah, that makes sense. That's about as long as I would want to take. I've heard both level one, but I've often heard people starting at level mm-hmm. five. So if you wanted to be a necromancer... You could do this right off the bat if you were starting at level five, right? right? If you were starting at level five. Cool. Well, let me uh, let me run down the spell. This spell creates an undead servant. Choose a pile of bones or a corpse of a medium or small humanoid within range. Your spell imbues the target with a foul mimicry of life, raising it as an undead creature. The target becomes a skeleton if you choose bones, or a zombie if you choose a corpse. The GM has the creature's game statistics. On each of your turns, you can use a bonus action to mentally command any creature you made with this spell if the creature is within 60 feet of you. If you control multiple creatures, you can command any or all of them at the same time, issuing the same command to each one. You decide what action the creature will take and where it will move during its next turn. Or you can issue a general command, such as to guard a particular chamber or corridor. If you issue no commands, the creature will only defend itself against hostile creatures. Once given an order, the creature continues to follow it until its task is complete. The creature is under your control for 24 hours, after which it stops obeying any command you've given it. To maintain control of the creature for another 24 hours, you must cast this spell on the creature again before the current 24-hour period ends. 
This use of the spell reasserts your control over up to four creatures you have animated with this spell, rather than animating a new one. When you cast this spell using a spell slot of 4th level or higher, you animate or reassert control over two additional undead creatures for every slot above 3rd. Each of the creatures must come from a different corpse or pile of bones. I love how much this spell reads like a contract. Like as you were as you were saying as you were reading it. Therefore, and you said, <laughs> if you cast a spell within the 24-hour period, you reassert control for an additional 24-hour period. It's, the the subject of this spell will yeah. for herein be referred to as the undead. Right. That's good spelling. Hey, that's some good spelling right there. The expected uses of this spell are just to create gross minions for yourself. Um, I mean, it's, it's boilerplate necromancy. It's boilerplate necromancy. And really, there's no other reason. I mean, yeah. That's what you do with the spell is you create gross minions. I mean, like that's just... It's medium or small minions. Disgusting. Yeah. Medium or small minions, which brings us lurching into our next topic, which is unexpected outcomes. Like a like a hand coming out of the ground. Unexpected. Right. Or uh yeah, or uh a corpse shuffling mm-hmm. ever closer to its next flesh feast. An extremely weird limitation of the spell is that it only affects medium and small creatures. Right. Right? So, I mean, that makes sense because in the player's handbook, the humanoid uh, races presented there are all either medium or small. And so they probably wanted to hedge out any weird thing where you made a giant, a zombie, or made a pixie, a skeleton, or whatever else. Except for that those things aren't humanoid anyway, so I don't really know why they, they, they put the limitation on medium and small. I'm sure they have their reasons. Perhaps they do, but the way it's written makes me think I wonder if there would then be funeral rites, either alchemy, science, magic, whatever, that are used to make corpses either large or tiny. Probably so that, tiny, huh? Probably well, I mean, smaller. if you're a medium creature, you'd probably it might be easier to make it large. I mean, oh, like, right, to get it just over that threshold. Right. What I, I think is funny is that over the years they've noticed, huh, these real big ones don't come back. And these real tiny ones don't come back either. Because, you know, the the people of the world aren't thinking mechanically, but they're, they're noticing well, over the years that whatever giants can't do it i think if you can cast the spell you probably know the parameters oh you're f- you, you're just feeling it magic, yeah like magic what, sense like is what, tingling yeah or if you're a wizard like there's probably like diagrams in oh, your sure. spell book of like it has to be this big or this big or something in between mm-hmm. to work i mean there's like other spells that could prevent a creature from coming back to life mm-hmm. but if you had a way of just permanently making a corpse large or tiny, right. then you don't have to worry about an undead uprising. Which is really the thing that, that this could lead to, right? Right, right. There, there's no cost for components. You just uh, Material components are a drop of blood, a piece of flesh, and a pinch of bone dust, which you don't even need if you've got a spellcasting focus, correct? You don't need if you have a spellcasting focus, and you probably don't super need if you're standing over a corpse or a pile of bones. Because right. that's probably right there. It's just right there. Yeah. You don't even need it in your little pouch. No. Have you ever uh, played a material wizard that doesn't have a spellcasting focus? A component pouch? Yeah. I don't know if I, I have. I've made uh, player options that where the expectation is that you're playing with a component pouch mm-hmm. uh, because I think that's an underused. Yeah. It's a fun. It's, yeah. Part it's really of it. fun. Spellcasting focuses are so ubiquitous right. that 
they don't generally get used. Well, and they're easy to scale up. You got a plus one spellcasting right. focus. Right. You don't get a plus one component pouch. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how it would work, but I I do think the existence of the spell would affect funeral rites and how they're performed in terms of just no one wants to see their beloved relation come shambling back. Down uh, yeah, the shambling down the street. And I, I guess you could also <laughs> actually, as I'm saying this right now, mm. somehow I'm realizing that the much simpler solution is just to incinerate your right your your departed yeah, cremate cremate yeah thank you I I incinerate knew incinerate him. was not the right emolliate that yeah. body obviously that's much easier than like alchemically making someone large or tiny I don't know why that's where my brain went because it's having fun with the mechanics <laughs> and yeah. and I mean the idea of having these like shoe boxes of your the remains of your you know, and and it's easier to store if you feel like that's needed. So, long story short, nobody's probably burying their dead in the worlds of D anD D if they can avoid it. Because even if this spell is not super common, why would you risk it? Yeah, you don't want to. There's no reason to risk it, especially if you've got a known necromancer running around. Right. Many episodes ago, we discussed the spell "Speak with Dead," which mm. had two clauses for what needed to be true about a corpse for you to speak to it. One is that it had to have a mouth, and the other one is that it had to not be undead. Killers who don't care about having undead minions might still learn the spell so that when they kill someone, they can cast the spell and make them forever ineligible to be talked to. To be talked to. <laughs> because at that point, they're in... Oh, wait, no. Speak with Dead works on more than just human corpses. So I guess... Yeah. That's a really weird gray area because obviously speak with dead won't work while it is undead. But if you kill the undead creature, I was then, gonna bring that up. Then yeah. is it the corpse of a of humanoid a... creature or of an undead creature? Is and is it is which it forever lifetime, undead? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And which lifetime does it remember when you cast the spell? On, cast speak with dead on it. I would probably rule it since this isn't rules as written. There, there's no clarifying point about this that whatever it last was. My instinct is the opposite. My instinct is that when you're undead, that's not your real spirit. That's like mm -hmm. some like shred, uh, shred up tatters. What is it a foul mimicry? Yeah, a foul <laughs> mimicry or some like gunk of your spirit, mm -hmm. but it's not your actual soul or whatever the D and D equivalent of that is. The thing that comes back when you cast speak with dead is some facsimile of your soul. Yeah. I, I think they say in Speak with Dead that it's uh, it's the memory of the body. That's true. In which case, I still don't know if that clarifies whether you would be talking to the undead version of the mm -hmm. creature or the... Yeah. Uh, well, the two have different motivations. Right. So an undead creature, a skeleton, wants to do what it knew in life, correct? What it did in life. Mm -hmm. And a zombie wants to eat brains. Right. So neither of those things, I, I think once you're dead, you don't want to do the things that you did in life. You want to be dead. And then nobody's eating brains unless you're a cannibal. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I guess what I'm saying is this is this is narrative gray area that yeah. you need to rule out as a, right. as a DM. So there are two components of the spell. So it always creates undead when you cast it. 
but there there are two effect there are two primary effects that the spell has. One is that it makes a corpse or a pile of bones undead, and the second is that it puts that undead pile of bones or corpse under your control for twenty four hours. Mm-hmm. While you maintain control over the undead, you have more ability to direct them, obviously, in terms of what they do. They're essentially charmed. Super charmed, because because you're not, yeah. it's not that they're treating you as a friendly acquaintance mm-hmm. or that they like you, it's that they have to do what you they're tell compelled. them to do. Yeah, they're compelled to do what you want them to do. In this version of the spell, where they're under your control, and it's worth bearing in mind, zombies have an intelligence of three, skeletons of six, but although, although the spell is unclear about whether they're interpreting your commands through the limited understanding of their intelligence ratings or or if they if that's perfectly understood if we assume that they're interpreting it through their intelligence ratings one thing that comes up is that it makes me think you know you and I have discussed a lot of new bureaucracies that might spring up it's a common trope for in us the, yeah with all these spells skeletons would probably be reasonably i mean you know they can rubber stamp things Mm -hmm. with an intelligence of six like if you say if you run a bank you could hire a skeleton to just sit there and watch people for an hour to make sure they aren't charmed and rubber stamp the contract when it's done this is our shortcut through all the red tape that we've created right (laughs) yeah is that you just you just staff it with skeletons skeletons who were bureaucrats in in their life there you go that, that'll help, anyway. I also thought that there's a lot of weird spell combos that could potentially be set up. The first thing that comes to mind is Magic Mouth, but I think there's probably a lot more in that while a corpse is a corpse or a pile of bones is a pile of bones, it's an object. So you could cast something like Magic Mouth on it, but then once you animate it, it's a creature. So it's it's no longer eligible to be targeted by those spells, but it's not clear to me that those spells end. If you wanted to, you could sing a song... You could cast magic mouth on a on a skull, sing a song, and then raise that pile of bones as a skeleton, and have it walk around, and it just sings that song to everybody. <laughs> a one man skeleton band. Yeah. 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 That's fun. There's probably more practical applications to that than than, like than a the magic mouth speaker. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. And then um, you color its teeth blue, and and then yes, you really start there you getting go. there. You go. It's the original Bluetooth speaker. <laughs> you paint these skeletons teeth blue, and that's kind of your gimmick as a necromancer. Is that <laughs> you've got singing skeletons? Blue teeth. Blue teeth. Blue teeth. Hey everybody, Dane here, just wanting to say thank you for all the support you've given us through your downloads, your messages, tweets, and of course sharing the show with others. Word of mouth is the best way for us to grow, along with you rating and reviewing Dispel Magic on whatever podcasting app you use. Benjamin and I would also like to invite you to pledge to our Patreon. You can vote there on future shows, receive weekly show notes, access monthly secret shows, and gain access to our patron-only Discord channel. Thanks again for listening, and as always, happy spelling. But surprisingly, I actually think that most of the unexpected outcomes of the spell arise more from the fact that you've created a permanent undead creature than what you can do with it while it's under your explicit control. The spell doesn't fade, just your control over it does. So whoever you've now doomed to be forever undead lurching around shambling around 
Yeah, that's an important point. You lose the control over the undead within 24 hours, but that undead persists indefinitely, mm. like until it's killed, I guess, because, um, I mean, I don't know how long it takes bones to turn to dust, but I guess a that's A long how... time if yeah, video all... games But also, I don't anything. know how long, like, it, does that still apply once something's a skeleton? Mm-hmm. Like, is it still decaying, or do the necromantic magics that make it a skeleton Hold it together. That? Right. Well, that's beside the point. The primary thing that I'm getting at here is that whether it's indefinitely because necromantic magics keep the skeleton from ever decaying or not, these things are around for a very long time. Mm -hmm. You could do a lot of things with moving creatures of limited intelligence that don't require any sustenance or rest. A really basic example of this is that you can use it in defense of a castle. You dig a Big old ditch Oh boy! around your castle. Instead of filling it with water and alligators, as you do, you instead, fill it, with, yeah, you instead <laughs> fill it with corpses and piles of bones and then raise them and you've suddenly got this kind of horde of undead. A moat of bones. A moat of bones. Your enemies that try to go across it, you know, if they're like laying down ladders, you can just kick those ladders down and suddenly your enemies are having to deal with the hundreds of undead that you've raised and forgotten in this moat of bones around your castle. Well, besides having just a entire death trough uh, around your, your mm-hmm. house, you can have these kind of automatic pilots uh, doing any number of things, right? Yeah. I mean, one of the first things that made me think of was teleportation circle. Mm-hmm. And we talked about a perpetual motion machine that you could maybe create using that. The infinite hell loop. Yeah, the infinite hell loop. Right. IHL. The IHL. The infamous world known (laughs) IHL. Tell your friends. Yeah, tell your friends. (laughs) But with undead creatures, you can, especially if they're necromantically perfectly preserved so that they're not going to just decay on their own, you really can build essentially a perpetual motion device or, or a infinite energy machine because Mm -hmm. you just have them constantly turning a wheel that's generating mechanical power which could either be used for its mechanical power or converted into electricity if your DD setting is one that has electricity in it so uh, hamsters are too small but you could use people to run your hamster wheel right yeah your electricity generating hamster wheel that you've Designed for hamsters for some reason and are now using on human corpses. Yeah. The the, the magic runs itself. What would keep them from from just uh, sitting down, though, I guess, is like, why are they, they still running? Yeah. So I think so there's there's two answers to that question. And the two answers depend on whether it's a zombie or a skeleton. OK. The Monster Manual isn't super clear about what would motivate a zombie to get up and do something. But I I think if we infer from pop culture, they tend to just want meat. Meat and brains. Yeah. Well, brains is like a from the 1970s. Is it? Right? In no zombie movies since like since the 70s, they've all they've just eaten meat. Yeah. Right? No, you make a good point. They're just trying to go they're just trying to they're just like biting people. Most of my zombie knowledge comes from the uh, game Plants vs. Zombies, where they did want brains. If if any of you have touched on media that exists for adults around around zombies you're probably aware they just eat meat in that context putting like a halfling on like just suspending a halfling from the ceiling and have had them just push but every time they they're pushing on this wheel to get to the halfling they're also moving the halfling around so the halfling just kind of has to sit there 
Like his shift is just hanging in this swing from the <laughs> ceiling. Yeah, hanging a harness from the ceiling, like eating a sandwich or doing whatever he wants to do. Sudoku. Yeah, Sudoku. Probably a Sudoku book. Probably a whole book of it. Yeah. You got a long day. It's a long shift. You have to have halflings and shifts. I want to talk about skeletons, but also the skeleton, the behavior of skeletons goes into a whole lot of other stuff. So we'll right. we'll jump into that. Zombies are pretty straightforward. Yeah. Zombies are pretty straightforward. You give them something to eat or to want to go eat, yeah. and they're going to do that. Which actually brings me to kind of a, a broader application to using them as a labor force, even when they're not controlled, which is that zombies are not immune to illusions or, or other kinds of tricks. And so if you could deceive a zombie into, for instance, if you wanted to run a mining operation... If you could deceive a zombie using magic or, I guess, not magic. Yeah, if you, even if you just made a, a realistic facsimile. Yeah, into believing that they just had to dig out this person and they got to feast, you could probably get them to dig, you know, a decent mine. Whatever you could dig with your bare hands. I mm-hmm. guess there's probably a certain amount of packed earth that once you get into... I could see you fitting the zombies with uh, shovel picks hands. For, yeah. Picks for hands. That's pretty gross. Um, not nothing too dangerous because then if you get too close, right. then they're, then they've got right. <laughs> these, uh, uh, Wolverine claws on the end right. of their hands that are, they're going to come at you with to get your meat. Right. To get to the precious meat. That is within you. You want them to mine precious metals, not your precious meat. We're all on the same yeah. page. You know who doesn't care about your precious meat? Is it skeletons? It's skeletons. Yeah. Skeletons don't care about your precious meat. Or anything else, really. Just want the to monster, do what they do. The Monster Manual has a very interesting description of what skeletons do when they're not enraged by the presence of the living, which is they want, do what they did in life. I think this is maybe one of the more interesting parts of this spell is is this part of it, that they go back to what they were doing in life. It's Yeah, it's the most interesting part of the spell because... It's the part that makes, that turns the spell from like a curiosity to borderline abuse. Uh, Yeah, I mean, really. You talk about in the notes here, uh, paying somebody to do a repeated task in life so that when they die. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So, So skeletons will repeat what they did in life in death. This leads to two very disturbing ideas. One of which is that if you have a laborer and it becomes inconvenient to pay them, feed them, house them, whatever, you kill them, you raise them as a skeleton. And even if you don't use the animate dead spell to continue to control them, as long as you're not around and they don't have any other living person to direct their hatred of life towards, they'll just keep doing that thing that they were doing in life. That thing they do. This is definitely bringing up fantasy Amazon giant evil fantasy Amazon that has workers for a number of years. And then when those workers pass away, they've got giant bone bleaching fields where, you know, they spread bugs to strip the flesh from the bones or what have you. Cause they want to get, that's a really those... good point because it's not just that they want you to die. It's also no, that they need, they you need to the just bones. Be bones. You've got precious meats yeah. These workers have That's precious bones. So true. they got to have facilities that turn you from a corpse or right. a, just a, a run of the mill zombie into these 
highly trained, right? Focused, skilled bone labor machines. skeletons. Yeah, and so and who knows? Maybe after your training, then you just happen to die because in a vat of acid, in a big vat, a vat of flesh eating acid. Or, or maybe, you know, you're, people have uh, bug infestations in their homes right. every day and get all of the meat stripped from them. So <laughs> evil fantasy Amazon is farming their workers for their bones to deliver packages. Like, <laughs> I don't know. If, if, a, if a skeleton was used to an intelligence of six, they can, they can see an address. Yeah, I mean, they would have to. All the living creatures would have to stay out of sight of these. That, well, then you've got the undead lanes or underground undead passageways. Okay, sure. Like maybe there's these dumb waiters where like skeletons are underground delivering packages into a dumb waiter, mm-hmm. and you above ground lift it up into your house. And for that to work, you'd need two different tunnel systems so that the living ones who are getting used to this in life aren't being attacked by the skeletons. So you've got the training tunnel for the alive ones. Right. And then when they go through the deboning process. Not deboning. Defleshing. The defleshing process. The bones are the precious bones. (laughs) The defleshing process. Then there's the system of tunnels for the majority of the workforce of evil fantasy Amazon. I do I do want to point out that evil and Amazon is redundant. We can just say <laughs> fantasy Amazon and the evil is implied. There's this situation we're talking about where you yeah, take fang. labor that needs to be done and you just don't let people stop working after they die. But there's also a situation where you train someone to do something. This is something Dane kind of referenced earlier. You train someone to do something that doesn't really make sense for them to be doing. Mm. Because you want a skeleton to do that job. And so you pay a person to do this thing that maybe isn't practical or sustainable long term. You pay them to do that for a few years so that that becomes their routine. So that then when they die, you can make their skeleton do this This forever. Awful. It is awful. I mean, this is where kind of that water wheel type of situation, you could have skeletons do that without any prompting at all. Like just... You just pay somebody to spend eight hours every day turning a wheel, and then you do that long enough. That's their routine. They so, die under natural or unnatural circumstances. Very natural. The unfleshing process happens, and then uh, they're back doing the job that they loved. In the cost-benefit analysis of paying a halfling to swing in a harness versus paying somebody to push a wheel, where where do you think that falls? I think for sure it's cheaper in the long term to pay somebody to push a wheel mm. and then they die and forever it's free labor after that. Right. Uh, as opposed to paying that halfling who's also probably taking a lot of meal breaks. Yeah. You know? Just, just things that living bodies have to do right Ugh. right a lot of napping though in that harness maybe yeah a, a lot of napping i mean <laughs> I just fill them up with some some regardless, sandwiches regardless you're paying that halfling every day to show up to work true and that's for as long as you want those zombies to do what you're what they're doing and if you turn that halfling into a skeleton then it would just be Hanging in a harness, and you don't need any skeletons to be hanging in harnesses. 
Yeah, I don't think zombies want to eat skeletons. And zombies definitely don't want to eat skeletons unless it was a zombie dog and they're going after those well, sweet, sweet right. bones. Once again, coming but, back to the- But Animate Dead does not target beasts. Ah. Oh, so. Foiled again. Gotcha. <laughs> got, you got me. <laughs> this, I think, is the big, the big impact of Animate Dead mm-hmm. on a setting is that it creates skeletons- and skeletons do whatever they did in life. Mm-hmm. The only thing that prevents them from doing what they did in life is seeing a living creature. Mm. So you can create these huge labor forces of skeletons. Secluded that are labor forces. Secluded <laughs> that are doing farming, that are doing, I guess, delivering packages, that are mining. You could even probably get like skeletal armorers. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. Just making, churning out yeah, shields. Yeah, churning out that stuff. And then all you have to do is have somebody who can turn invisible for some length of time, go through and collect all the things that have been made, Mm -hmm. bring them back, and you've just got a ton of essentially free labor. Yikes. Yeah. That's grim. Yeah, I I can, I'm picturing like, I mean, so in plant growth, we talked about doubling the output of farmland. This this eliminates the need for labor at all in farming. Just get rid of all your farmers, strip them of their... Good, good bones and no flesh, Dane. The bones are the important part. <laughs> Strip out their bones. You are going to be kicked flesh. out of necromancer school like <laughs> day two because you just keep on mixing doing up your, my fleshes and doing bones. Your yuck, yeah. yuck gig. Yeah. Whoops! I took out all the bones again. Yeah. Threw them out back. People are going to be wondering how you managed to keep all the flesh intact, but <laughs> stripped all the bones out. I call this my wiggle worm. That would be very gross. It's so that gross. That would be the worst. Can you type. animate a corpse Bone, without bones? Yeah. <laughs> a deboned corpse. <laughs> what have I done? No. Not a cartoon I want to watch. No. Not appropriate for most cartoons. No. Well, if you have any terrible terrible ideas for animate dead hopefully that don't involve deboning uh you can tweet them at dispel magic pod on twitter benjamin where can people find you you can find me at sterling vermin or on the internet at sterlingvermin.com and you can find me on twitter at dane in danger thanks so much for listening we'll see you again after your next long rest We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Dispel Magic. If this has inspired any ideas for your game, or you have another take on today's topic, please let us know on Twitter, at DispelMagicPod. You can find Benjamin, at Sterling Vermin, and Dane, at Dane in Danger. Thank you to Slim Mittens for our cover art, produced by Benjamin Huffman, produced and edited by Dane Fox McGraw.